Here at Multipolarista, I've done a series of episodes analyzing the speeches given by world leaders at the United Nations General Assembly this September. One of the most interesting speeches, and perhaps one that will go down in history as one of the most influential, was given by Bolivia's president, Luis Arce. Arce is a trained socialist economist, and he presented a 14-point program to transform capitalism, a revolutionary program to change the world. Luis Arce is a very interesting guy. He, as I said, he's an economist. He's a socialist economist. He was trained in, in economics, and he worked at Bolivia's central bank for many years. And then when the leftist president, Evo Morales, came to power, he appointed Luis Arce as his economic minister. And Luis Arce is often give, given credit as the kind of intellectual architect of the economic miracle, it's called sometimes, which wasn't really that miraculous. It's pretty easy to explain how the Bolivian economy grew so drastically under Evo Morales through these socialist policies, which I'll we'll talk about more. He, he, he explains them, he details them in his UN speech. Arce, what he over, helped oversee a massive decrease in poverty, a rise in life expectancy and other good uh, positive health metrics. And he helped grow the economy all at the same time. And what happened is that Luis Arce is a member of the same movement towards socialism party of Evo Morales. And in 2019, people probably know, Evo Morales was overthrown in a far-right coup backed by the United States, a very violent coup d'etat. And in 2020, for nearly a year, there was a brutally authoritarian, violent coup regime that was backed by the United States, by the Donald Trump administration, that murdered pro-democracy activists, and by the way, oversaw a massive economic contraction, oversaw a, a horrible economic depression. The economy shrunk and privatized state assets and sold off the country to the IMF and the World Bank. And there was a massive popular rebellion, largely led by the indigenous communities in Bolivia, who make up the majority of the country. And in October 2020, the coup regime was, was so unstable, it had delayed elections three times, and it was forced to hold elections because the indigenous communities and the labor unions were on the verge of overthrowing the government. It was forced to hold elections, and the movement towards socialism party won in a landslide, a historic landslide, and Luis Arce became president. And in his speech, he detailed his economic program, how he was able to recover the Bolivian economy, and how now Bolivia has one of the fastest growing economies in the region, and it has one of the lowest inflation rates in the entire world. So... I, I translated Luis Arce's speech, nearly 4,000-word, 40-minute speech, very ambitious speech. I translated it and published the main points over at multipolarista.com. For people who want to read it, I will put a link to the article in the description below. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through this 14-point program that Luis Arce presented at the United Nations. It, it's really quite incredible. Arce began his speech warning that the world is facing a, quote, wide-ranging systemic capitalist crisis that increasingly endangers the life of humanity and the planet. And he said that we should recognize that there are multiple crises, economic 
social, food, climate, energy, water, and trade crises. But he said it's not enough to just reflect on those crises. He also says we have to identify the origin of those crises. And he says the origin of those crises is in the capitalist system. And he says we have to change the system that reproduces domination, exploitation, and exclusion of the large majorities. The system that generates the concentration of wealth in a few hands and that prioritizes the production and reproduction of capital over the production and reproduction of life. But he also recognized that along with though that crisis of capitalism, the wide-raging systemic crisis of capitalism, there's also a geopolitical crisis in the imperialist system, which is linked to the capitalist system. And he says, we see the final gasp of the unipolar world. And he said that this final gasp of the unipolar world is leading to war. And he said, unfortunately, we are seeing the gradual deterioration of the multilateral system because of the whims of the capitalist powers that will not accept the existence of a multipolar world with a balance of power. So he begins his speech pointing out that the unipolar world dominated by U.S. imperialism is dying. It's in its final gasp. And in order to try to save that unipolar world, the capitalist powers, the imperialist powers are waging war because they do not accept the existence of a multipolar world. This is something that I talk about constantly here. And we see that Bolivia's leftist president, Luis Arce, he clearly recognizing, recognizes that. And he begins his speech before he presents the 14-point socialist program. He begins his speech recognizing that so, so we can have that context in the background for this 14-point speech that he pre presents in order to transform the world, to make a better world. So in the rest of his speech, Odyssey makes a series of concrete proposals. Number one is to declare the world to be a zone of peace. He noted that many wars are, quote, promoted by transnational war corporations, but also by the desire to impose a political and economic order that serves the interests of capitalism. So Bolivia's president pointed out that war is caused by capitalism and corporations that want to profit. So he called for the world to have a concerted campaign to bring about world peace. And as an example, he says it's very important to have a ceasefire between Russia and Ukraine. He also said that it's very important to recognize the historic rights of the state and people of Palestine. That is, he recognizes that Israel, apartheid Israel, is waging war on the Palestinian people. And by the way, while calling for a ceasefire in the proxy war in Ukraine, he also said that NATO needs to stop its expansionist plans. So that is him recognizing that, yes, the world wants a, a ceasefire to end the proxy war in Ukraine, but also NATO bears responsibility and NATO needs to stop expanding because that is causing more war. So, part, so point one, declare the world to be a zone of peace. Point two, substitute the manufacturing of weapons of mass destruction with just compensation for poor people of the world. So instead of spending weapons, instead of spending money, trillions of dollars on 
nuclear weapons that threaten life on the planet, Odyssey said that the world should give reparations to poor people in the global south. He said, he said that the world should, quote, substitute military spending on the manufacturing of weapons of mass destruction with a just economic compensation that the countries of the core of capitalism, that is the imperialist countries, that they owe morally and historically to the countries of the periphery and the poor people of the world. So no, no nuclear weapons, instead of reparations for the poor, reparations for colonialism. Point three of his 14-point program is oppose the commercialization of healthcare and create systems of universal healthcare. Odyssey said the COVID-19 pandemic, quote, exposed the vulnerabilities and inequalities in the health systems of all of the world, as well as the global financial and economic system. And he said the solution is that the state has an obligation to protect and guarantee collective rights and reduce the effects of the world economic crisis on the most vulnerable sectors of the population. So part three is universal healthcare. Part four is creating a global program of food sovereignty in harmony with mother earth. He warned that world hunger is getting worse. And in 2021, 828 million people on earth suffered from hunger. That represents 9.8% of the world population. That is around one out of every 10 people on earth is suffering from hunger. And in order to fight against world hunger, Odyssey proposed a program to support food sovereignty by supporting small scale agricultural producers. So giving peasants and farmers all the seeds and fertilizers, technology and financial support that they need. So 4.4 of his program is food sovereignty. Point five is rebuild the productive and economic capacities of the countries of the periphery hurt by the logic of the unrestrained concentration of capital. So that is to say, to help develop the countries of the global south, of the periphery, which are hurt by the capitalist world system. I think this is one of the most interesting parts of Odyssey's speech. Like I said, he, he is a trained socialist economist. His background is working at the Bolivian Central Bank. So he really understands this issue more than any other. This is really where he shines. And he has a detailed discussion of how the global south can economically develop and how Bolivia has been able to economically develop. He noted that, that the proxy war in Ukraine has caused a, an energy crisis and inflation and the price of not only energy, but also fertilizers and raw materials has increased. So he called for pardoning debt, debt relief for the global south. He says, the restructuring of the world financial architecture is vital for the relief of external debt on the global scale so that we developing countries have the space to implement sovereign social policies from the perspective of integral and sustainable economic and social development. So if the global south wants to develop its economy, it needs debt relief. And then he, he added and has, has, has always been a cry from the countries of the South, we must balance the trade relations that currently keep benefiting only the North. 
So he's saying that many of the so-called free trade agreements lead to the extraction of wealth from the South and, and the drain of resources toward the North. And then here, this is the part where in his speech, he explains how Bolivia recovered its economy after the chaos of the 2019 coup d'etat backed by the United States. He says, Follow the, following the recovery of democracy in 2020, and he noted that the, the Bolivian people had to wage a, an intense struggle to recover democracy. And after that, he said, Bolivia returned to its social, communitarian, productive economic model. So that's how he refers to the, the socialist model that they're pursuing. A social, communitarian, productive economic model. A sovereign economic model in which we do not accept and we will not accept impositions of the International Monetary Fund. So he's clearly rejecting the U.S.-dominated IMF. He's saying we will not accept any impositions from the IMF. And Odyssey explained that Bolivia's economic model, here, here's the, the money quote in the speech. There's so many good quotes in here, but here's the, speech, the moment where he really outlines his secret formula, right? The secret formula for the economic miracle in Bolivia. He said, Bolivia's economic model, quote, is based on the active role of the state in the economy, in the nationalization of our strategic natu natural resources, the articulation of all forms of economic organization, the strengthening of public investment, import substitution industrialization, the dynamization of the internal market, productive diversification, security with food sovereignty, redistribution of revenues, and the struggle against poverty and inequalities. So again, going through, the, this is the secret formula for his economic program to develop. One, an active role of the state in the economy. This is not neoliberalism. The state has to play a leading role in the economy. Two, strategic natural resources have to be nationalized. Later on in his speech, he talks about lithium. So countries that have oil or natural gas, major resources, the state has to nat nationalize those resources and use them to benefit the population. Three, plan your economic organization. So economic planning, i.e. socialism, that's number three. Number four, more public investment. That means spending money on actual people, on healthcare and education, infrastructure. So public investment is number four. Number five, import substitution industrialization. This used to be talked about more in the 60s and 70s at the moment of you know decolonial struggles. What this means is that countries in the global south should not be dependent on imports from the imperial core, from the rich capitalist countries in the global north. They should find substitutions for imports and develop their own internal industry by industrialization. So instead of importing glass, Bolivia has a state-owned glass company. Instead of importing fertilizer, Bolivia has a state-owned fertilizer company. So that's, that's the point five. Point six is strengthening the internal market, which is related to that. Point seven is diversifying production. So Venezuela has been trying to do this. So it's not just based on oil extraction. It's also based on other forms of production. 
Point eight of his economic program is food sovereignty, is producing food locally so it's not you're not dependent on import importing food from other countries. Point nine is redistributing revenue. And then point 10 is fighting against poverty and inequality. So that is the 10 point economic program that Odyssey has within his 14 point socialist program for transforming the world. I think this is honestly, like I said, where he really shines the most as an economist. And Luis Odyssey also pointed out that Bolivia's communitarian, social, and productive economic model is influenced by, by Bolivia's indigenous communal traditions. And like I said earlier, he, he boasted in his speech that Bolivia has one of the lowest inflation rates in the entire world. It's the lowest inflation in all of Latin America, and it's one of the lowest in the world. In August, inflation was just 1.6%. So Odyssey said, quote, we regret that while the countries at the core of capitalism gamble on war with large sums of money, at the same time, negligible contributions are made for integral and sustainable development, for decolonization and depatriarchal... De this is a word that's hard to say because Bolivia created it. Depatriarchalization. That is the process of of, um, you know, decolonization is the process of undoing colonization. Depatriarchalization is the process of undoing patriarchy. So he's saying that, that the, the countries, the imperialist countries and the capitalist core, they gamble huge sums of money on war. Meanwhile, there are negligible contributions made for sustainable development, decolonization, depatriarchalization, and for the eradication of poverty and economic and social inequalities. And as an, as an example of this, Odyssey pointed out that just in the past few months, since Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022, imperialist countries in the West have spent 20 times more financial resources on weapons and the proxy war in Ukraine than they have invested in the Green Climate Fund in a decade. So, as you know, uh, Tupac said, there's always money for war, but never for the poor. And yeah, there's also always money for war and never money to fight climate change. So this leads into point six of Luis Arce's 14-point socialist program. Point six is that the climate crisis requires responsibility, solidarity, and harmony between human beings and nature, not usury. say warned that the climate crisis is passing into an ecological collapse, but he lamented that the countries that have the means to change their patterns of production and consumption do not have the political will to do it. And those of us who have proposed ambitious goals have not received the means of implementation pledged in the Climate Convention and the Paris Accords. So he's pointing out that in these, in these international agreements, countries in the Global South, have, they, were, they were told that they would be given money to implement you know, these important moves toward a green economy and fighting climate change. They haven't been given that money. So once again, the countries of the Global South 
which are hurt the most by climate change, are trying to do the most to take action against climate change. And yet the rich imperialist countries who are the historical contributors the most to climate change, who cause climate change, are doing the least to fight against climate change. And Odyssey continued, he said that the international climate agreements that do exist currently, he complained, he criticized them, saying that they, quote, do not take into account the historic responsibilities of the developed countries or the capacities and limitations of developing countries. So what he's saying there is that rich imperialist countries cause climate change, poor formerly colonized countries did not cause climate change, and yet the rich imperialist countries are trying to force the poor formerly colonized countries to take action. And he added on a sarcastic note here, he said, quote, Perhaps the historic climate debtors, that is the rich imperialist countries, perhaps the historic climate debtors want us all to worry only about the future, to avoid discussing in the present the broken promises made to developing countries about financing, technology transfers, and strengthening capacities. He noted that climate change has been caused by centuries of bad capitalist development which has done a lot of damage to the environment. And then he said, he concluded here, we are convinced that a future low in emissions and resilient to the climate is not possible if we keep concentrating wealth and incomes in a few hands. Therefore, to reverse the climate crisis, we need to resolve the economic, social, and political contradictions caused by the cap capitalist model as well as those that exist between human beings and nature. So he said, if we want to fight climate change, we have to end capitalism. We need socialism. So part six is the climate crisis. Fight, fight climate change with socialism. Part seven of his 14-point program is the industrialization of lithium for the benefit of the peoples and a fundamental pillar for the energy transition. So here he's talking about this concept earlier about the nationalization of strategic natural resources. He pointed out that Bolivia has the world's largest reserves of lithium, but Odyssey pledged that he's going to use those resources, quote, with much responsibility. So Bolivia has, is guaranteeing, this is an exact quote, Bolivia is, quote, guaranteeing that its use of lithium is of benefit to humanity as a fundamental pillar of the just global transition to a future low in emissions respecting Mother Earth. So this is an incredible part of his speech because Odyssey is saying that not only are we going to use our natural resources to benefit our people, we're going to use our natural resources to benefit Mother Earth, to benefit all of the planet and the environment. Can you imagine? I mean, the U.S. government, it doesn't even have natural national control over oil and gas it's controlled by large private corporations imagine the u.s government it would never do it in a million years because the u.s government is run by large corporations in wall street imagine the u.s saying we are dedicating to nationalizing our resources and using them to fight climate change i mean this shows that bolivia is an actual responsible country bolivia is doing infinitely more to fight climate change than the U.S. empire, which has, which is the main cause of climate change. So anyway, 
Arce, the Bolivian president, he continued here saying, quote, we want our lithium reserves not to follow the path of other natural resources that on the conditions of colonialism and capitalist development only serve to increase the wealth of a few and make the people hungry. So he said that Bolivia's natural resources are, are going to benefit everyone. They're not just going to enrich a small handful of capitalist oligarchs. And then he continued in his speech. In this sense, we affirm the sovereignty over our natural resources, such as lithium, its industrialization, and the benefit oriented toward the well-being of the peoples, not of transnational corporations or a small privileged group. And then he also said that we affirm that the sovereign appropriation of the economic surplus to be redistributed especially among the low-income population. So he's saying that the, the lithium that, that Bolivia has is going to go to fight climate change, and it's also the economic surplus, so the profits created by lithium is, are going to go to poor people. I mean, this is incredible. This is what every country should do. Its natural resources should go to benefit the people of the country and fight poverty. This is socialism. Bolivia is showing the model against capitalism. People say there is no alternative. The famous quote from Margaret Thatcher, there is no alternative. Bolivia's president, Luis Arce, is showing the world not only is there an alternative, here are 14 concrete steps that the world can take to fight capitalism. And this is what we are doing here in our country in Bolivia. And by the way, in this part of his speech, he cited comments that were made by the commander of the U.S. military's Southern Command, Southcom. And, he, and this is referencing a video that was published by Kausachu News, which is a great Bolivian leftist media outlet root that has its roots in the grassroots in Bolivia, in the, in the working class, the indigenous communities, and the labor unions. The commander of U.S. Southcom was just salivating over the the natural resources in Latin America. And she noted that 60% of the world's lithium is in Latin America. And so Odyssey noted that the so-called lithium triangle, which is made up by Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile, quote, is in the sights of the United States. So warning that the U.S. is trying to steal Latin America's lithium. And of course, this was a key f factor in the U.S.-backed 2019 coup that overthrew Bolivia's democratically elected government. And of course, the right-wing billionaire oligarch Elon Musk, who is an actual welfare queen, welfare queen, who's gotten billions of dollars in subsidies from the U.S. government. Elon Musk famously said, we will coup whoever we want, threatening Bolivia and other countries. So this neocolonialist mentality of this you know, right-wing billionaire oligarch so Bolivia is very clear saying that this, this is not tolerable. That lithium belongs to us. So point eight of his 14 point program is the end of the war on drugs. And he says he refers to it as from the nationalization to the regionalization of the struggle against drug trafficking. Now, when he says nationalization here, he's obviously not using it in the sense of nationalizing resources. He means that the struggle against drug trafficking should not be based on just a country. 
it should be based on the region as a whole. That is to say that Latin America should collaborate together to fight against drug trafficking. So when Luis Arce spoke at the UN, that was on sep September 20th, and earlier that same day, Colombia's first ever left-wing president, Gustavo Petro, spoke, and he declared that the war on drugs has failed. I have a separate episode. I, I spent a few hours translating uh, Gustavo Petro's speech because it was so poetic and so beautiful and so powerful and so historic. I wanted a good translation in English. So I will put a link in the, the description below to the episode that I did on Gustavo Petro's speech, analyzing his speech. He, he said that the, he criticized the U.S. war on drugs, which has led to millions of deaths and millions of black people incarcerated. He, he criticized the racist mass incarceration system in the U.S. So anyway, that, that, that speech was given a few hours earlier in the same day before the Bolivian president, Luis Arce, gave his historic speech. And he clearly kind of made a reference to what Gustavo Petro said. And th this is what... Uh, Luis Arce, the Bolivian president, said in his speech. He said, It remains clear that the war on drugs, principally the one unleashed by the United States, has failed. Therefore, there is an imperative need that this country, that is the United States, does a deep analysis about changing its policy with attention to the fact that it has become one of the main consuming countries, which has resulted in the lamentable death of more than 100,000 people by overdoses and drug addictions inside of its territory. So he pointed out that the U.S. war on drugs has failed and the U.S. is one of the world's leading consumers of drugs and that has led to 100,000 deaths at least from drugs. So he says, Artisay said, we must change the focus in the approach of the struggle against drug trafficking to keep emphasizing supply and not demand has only served as a pretext for militarization and for the waging of the international war on drugs. So he points out that, yes, countries in Latin America create the supply, but what about the demand? Colombia and Bolivia, which produce cocaine, they're not the countries that are consuming cocaine. The cocaine is being consumed by the rich imperialist countries like the United States and like European countries. So he said the problem is not just supply, it's demand. And he said that, that this war on drugs the U.S. has waged, quote, has affected peasants in the South, that is the global South, and left absolute impunity for the large criminal groups never publicly identified in the countries whose populations largely consume all types of drugs. So once again, people in the global North, rich people consume drugs, whereas peasants in the global south are adversely affected. Arce continued saying, the international war on drugs criminalizes and leads to unilateral sanctions against countries of the global south, but it shields money laundering and facilitates drug trafficking and other crimes connected to the global north. It can no longer continue this way. And as an alternative, he proposed the regionalization of the struggle against drug trafficking with a, quote, integral, fo integral focus that is less militarized and more socioeconomic. So recognizing that the drug trafficking problem is rooted 
in economic and social issues, and the solution is not just more more military forces and, and weapons and troops. Part nine of Luis Arce's 14-point program is to strengthen international mechanisms for preferential treatment for landlocked countries. That is that he proposed this idea that countries that are landlocked have a right to the sea. And he said for countries like Bolivia that are landlocked, quote, we face grave difficulties in, in accessing the sea and using its resources, keeping in mind that marine spaces make up zones of great potential for the development of countries, especially developing countries. He said, all countries have the right to access and utilize oceanic space and marine resources. He said, to protect those habitats, we should ensure the just distribution of rights and responsibilities with respect to marine wealth. So basically saying that, look, the majority of the planet consists of water, and that water doesn't just belong to people who, to, to countries that have borders, that have coasts. He said landlocked countries also have the right to access those resources. So number 10 in his 14-point program is widen our restricted vision of human rights and democracy. He said, we need to widen our restricted concept of human rights and the relation with democracy. Neither one of the two exists without the other. And he said, especially, you can't have them when the preservation of the privileges of a few is done at the cost of the effective unfulfillment of the economic, social, and cultural rights of the majorities. That is, capitalism is not democratic, and capitalism does not provide human rights. You can't have a democracy when the majority of working class and poor people don't have the same rights as this small, tiny handful of rich capitalist oligarchs. And as an example of, of how to show how to actually have democracy and human rights, Arce held up Bolivia's model, the socialist model, and also he held up the plurinational model that Bolivia has, which provides equal representation for the 36 indigenous peoples that make up the country of Bolivia. So then there is point 11 in his 14-point program, which is intergenerational solidarity. The Bolivian president, Luis Arce, said that older populations who are sometimes forgotten by society, they need to be protected. He said, quote, the vibrant, he said, this vibrant and productive generation must show solidarity with those who built the first foundations of our houses. One cannot assure equity with future generations if we do not show equity between the present generations. So elderly people need to have their rights respected. All right. Number 12 of this 14-point socialist program is feminism, essentially. It's declare the decade of depatriarchalization to struggle against all forms of violence against women and girls. The Bolivian president condemned, quote, the persistence of violence against women and girls, and in particular, indigenous women and girls who are in poverty. So he pointed out that that violence against women and, and patriarchy in general is also closely linked to poverty and capitalism and, and racism against indigenous people. He said, quote, the pandemic and the structural crises of capitalism are deteriorating the conditions of life, especially of women of the countryside 
and the cities. Those women continue confronting complex and intersectional forms of violence. He, he used the term intersectionality, intersectional. Now, of course, we've seen Western corporations and, and imperialists in the global north try to co-opt this concept of intersectionality. But here we see the socialist president of Bolivia is using intersectionality in a progressive socialist revolutionary context, socialist intersectionality. He noted that the Bolivian government officially declared 2022 to be the year of the cultural revolution for depatriarchalization for a life free of violence against women. Odyssey added, we are advancing policies oriented not only at strengthening regulatory goalposts, but also attacking the structural causes of violence against women. From education, strengthening economic autonomy of women, and also through cultural processes to transform that lamentable reality rooted in patriarchy as the oldest system of oppression that has a feedback loop with colonialism and capitalism. So once again, recognizing that capitalism and colonialism feed into patriarchy. And if you truly want to be intersectional and you truly want to be a feminist, you have to be anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist. So part 13 of his 14 point program is reject unilateral sanctions. And as an example or, or condemning the imposition of sanctions, the Bolivian president said, it is inconceivable in a world rocked by crises and the pandemic that unilateral coercive measures that is sanctions are still applied with the goal of subduing governments at the expense of people's hunger and suffering. And here he condemned the U.S. government's, quote, inhuman and criminal commercial and financial blockade against Cuba that puts at risk the lives of millions of citizens. And of course, it wasn't just Bolivia. The, the governments of China, Vietnam, Laos, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Honduras, many countries at the United Nations called for an end to the illegal U.S. blockade against Cuba. And Odyssey referred to the U.S. blockade against Cuba as a crime against humanity. And he also said, he also condemned the ridiculous addition of Cuba to the U.S. list of so-called sponsors of terrorism. And he pointed out, I mean, or actually, he said that he pointed out that the vast majority of countries every year condemns the blockade. And what I'll point out is that every year, more than 95% of the 193 member states of the UN vote to oppose the illegal US blockade on Cuba. And yet the US has still maintained it for 60 years. And the fact that the US can continue to do this with impunity, it shows how, as Odyssey said, it shows, quote, how the decisions taken by the majority each year in the General Assembly are not fulfilled by certain countries. So he's pointing out that the United States is the actual rogue regime. The U.S. is a rogue state. The U.S. violates the will of the vast majority of the international community every year at the United Nations. It's a criminal rogue regime. And then finally, the last point of this 14-point program is to guarantee the full validity of the U.N. Charter and the principle of multilateralism. And the Bolivian president said, quote, 
the multi-directional crisis that the planet is going through as a result of capitalist ambition, far from being overcome, will get even worse if urgent measures are not taken. He said, only through a strengthened multilateralism will we be able to reach greater dialogue and cooperation in search of solutions to that crisis. So basically, there's a massive systemic crisis of capitalism, and the only way to get through it is multilateralism and multipolarity. He talked earlier about the multipolar world. And then f finally, he, the last thing he said is that, that Bolivia has, has affirmed its commitment to a revolution. He used that term, a, that Bolivia has a revolution that it is waging, that is dedicated to, quote, overcome the current polarization of the world architecture to overcome the capitalist order that has put us in dizzying, dangerous, and a limitless race of consumerism that puts humanity and the planet at risk, and to instead build a more just, inclusive, and equitable world for everyone. So he reaffirmed that Bolivia has a revolution fighting for socialism and multipolarity against capitalism and unipolarity. That was the revolutionary 14-point socialist program that Bolivia's president, Luis Arce, presented at the United Nations. Anyone who says, if you're a socialist and you're arguing with the capitalists and they say, socialism is not realistic. How can you have socialism? What do you want to do? Well, here are 14 concrete steps presented by the socialist president of Bolivia, who's a trained economist, a brilliant economist. His, his country has one of the lowest inflation rates in the world. The inflation in Bolivia is much lower than the inflation in the capitalist countries in the US and Europe. His country, Bolivia's socialist economic model, is showing how to actually have an economic model that grows the economy on behalf of everyone and working people. And this is his 14-point program. Briefly, I'll just go through those 14 points once again before I wrap up here. Here are the 14 points of the socialist program of Bolivia's revolution. Number one, declare the world to be a zone of peace. Number two, instead of spending money on, nu on weapons, nuclear weapons, you should sp spend that money on uh, reparations for poor people of the world. Number three, socialized healthcare, no more privatized healthcare. Number four, food sovereignty, investing in small-scale agricultural production for food sovereignty. Number five, rebuild the economy of the global south against capitalism by debt relief and reparations for the global south and his 10-point socialist economic model that I talked about earlier. Number six, fight climate change with solidarity, not competition and provide support for the global south to fight climate change. Number seven, natural, nationalize your country's natural resources and use those to benefit the peoples of the world and use those natural resources to fight climate change. Number eight, the struggle against drug trafficking needs to be a regional struggle that is rooted in uh, social issues and a public health approach, not militarization based on one country. Number nine, uh, countries that are landlocked have a right to access to the sea and the, and the oceans 
The resources of the ocean belong collectively to humanity. Number 10, expand our restricted vision of human rights and democracy. You can't have human rights and democracy under capitalism. You have to have democracy economically, economic democracy, which means that, that poor and working people need their own economic democracy. 11, intergenerational solidarity. Provide support for elderly people who are sometimes abandoned by society. Number 12, dedicate the struggle Again, dedicate yourself to the struggle against depatriarchalization, that is to feminism, and it needs to be intersectional feminism that is anti-capitalist and anti-colonialist. 13, reject sanctions, which are illegal and a form of, internet, a form of economic warfare waged by imperialism. And finally, strengthen multilateralism with the UN Charter, and that, it, that what he really means is multipolarity. The final point of his 14-point socialist program is multipolarity. So there you have it. The 14-point program, socialist program to transform the world presented by the leftist president of Bolivia, Luis Arce at the United Nations. I know this was a very long episode, but I wanted to go through in detail. I spent a lot, I spent hours translating his, his very long detailed speech, 4,000 word speech. And I wanted to go through and provide analysis and context for people because I think this is something that, that people around the world, not just socialists and leftists, people around the world, they should study this 14-point proposal. They should also study the 10-point economic program he has within that 14-point proposal because Bolivia is a model for the entire world. It's a model for how to fight capitalism, how to fight climate change, how to fight patriarchy, how to fight racism and, and, and give equal representation to indigenous nations. Bolivia is a, is a true economic model and political model for the world. And here, Bolivia gave us a gift, a concrete 14-point program to fight against capitalism. Very powerful and interesting speech. Thank you for joining me here in this program at Multipolarista. I'm Ben Norton, and I'll see you next time.